0: thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly of God podcast. Please join us at 9 11 a.m at the main campus at 11 a.m. at the Mux Corner, Remount and North Charleston campuses. Thank you for listening, and we hope that God blesses you through doing so. Welcome today to the story. Great to have each one of you guys here this morning. You look awesome. For you that are watching by way of uh, streaming, we're streaming this live right now, or you're going to watch on television, uh, we welcome you guys as well. And this is all about finding your place in God's story. And we're learning a lot. We're, we've taken the Bible. We're going through it in chronological order. We're hitting the high points of the Word of God. We're we're watching God's redemptive thread all the way from the Book of Genesis. We'll take it all the way through Revelation. And I think by now you're on about chapter seven, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around in there. So I hope you're keeping up in reading your copy of the story. Your kids are doing it, so talk with them on your way home and find out what they're learning as well. Now. I, that I picked out that video clip because it reminded me of how many laps we do around the mountain. It takes us a long time to get it. We, we, just, we just don't learn. And, we, and, and God says, okay, you're not getting it. You're not learning it. I want you to take one more lap around the mountain until you get it straight. And that's kind of what happens to the children of Israel this morning. They're going to come to the brink of the promised land. They're going to be ready to move on into to all that God had promised them uh, 600 years earlier. And they're finally there. And then because of fear coming in and doubt coming in, God says, okay, you're not going in. Take another lap around the mountain. And they were going to take laps around the wilderness for the next 40 years. Incredible story. And yet I think in many ways we can kind of relate to them because we find ourselves doing the same things over and over again and we get in this vicious cycle and, we, and God says, okay, you're not learning, take another lap. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, taking another lap. I don't know about you, but I'm directionally challenged. I cannot, anybody else get lost pretty easily in here? Uh, some, the men aren't raising their hand. They don't want to admit that. They're they're not lost when they're out there wandering around for several hours. They're just taking a, trying to find the shortcut, and it usually takes a whole lot longer. But they won't stop and ask anybody. Now you got those GPS's that come on. It'll say, recalculating, recalculating. And, it dry, and you, you just want to put your foot through that thing, recalculating. But, but you know, when you're making all those wrong turns, the, the, the message is going to come across recalculating. And I think that's what God does for us. We, we, go the, we go the wrong direction, and all of a sudden we turn our way. We want to do it my way. We turn left when we should have gone, what, left when we should have gone right. And then God says recalculating. Recalculating. And we wander around and around because we don't do it God's way. Uh, for, more than, for more than a year, Israel had camped at Mount Sinai. They stayed there. They got there. They camped there. They got the law. We looked at that last week. Uh, and every day, they, these guys are in the wilderness. They see the evidence of God's power. They, they see God's reality. God is down there with them. They had been saved from their idolatry. When, when, he, when Moses went up to Mount Sinai, he gave them this plan to build a tabernacle. And God would come down, his Shekinah glory would come down and would dwell in that holy of holies in the tabernacle. And they were led by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And, and there's always this awesome sense that God is in their midst. And after all this, all the miracles, the Red Sea, all that God did, you would think that they would be ready to trust God and move into the land he promised to them. I mean, after all, he had displayed himself many, many times. And so following hard on the heels of the departure from Sinai, Israel starts grumbling and complaining and so they're out there in the wilderness and their theme is going to be grumble, 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 grumble. They're going to complain, they're going to gripe, they're going to grumble all along the way. And they go back and forth between complaining about their circumstances and what's going around them. And then they then then snakes would come in or something bad would happen or people would die and then they say, "God save us, God rescue us." And you know what? God would be faithful. He'd come down and he'd save them and he'd rescue them. And what do they do? They start grumbling and complaining all over again. And they go through this cycle again and again and again. And now they finally get to the promised land. It probably took about two years total to get there from when they were left left Egypt. And yet they refuse to step forward in faith. They stop right there they're they're at the border they're at the river it's time to cross it's time to go in but they stop and they refuse to go where god is leading them because they don't want to fight and they don't want warfare and they say you know what we're not going in and they flatly refuse and as a result an entire generation is condemned to death out there in the middle of the wilderness now I want you to turn to Numbers 13, I want to give you, this as our backdrop, this will be our text this morning, Numbers 13, verses 26 to 33. Let me give you the scripture, and then we're going to talk about how this applies to our lives today. And they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh at the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites there living in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in their hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. And all, the pe- and all the people we saw are of great size. We saw the Nephilim and the descendants of Anak there and the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Every one of us have a promised land. There is a place of blessing that God wants to take every child of God into, a land of promise. God has a future for you. God has a hope for you. God has a purpose for you. There is a land that God wants us to move into and to occupy. His intention is for us not to be wandering out there somewhere in the wilderness. God wants us to enjoy the fullness of His blessings. Isn't that incredible? Blessings and promises that God has given us in his word. And I'm not necessarily talking about financial prosperity, but much more. It's living under the blessing of the promises of God and the fullness of God and God in the house. And that will only happen when we are obedient, when we follow God's way and God's plan for our life. Otherwise, we'll never enter into that place of promise that God has for us. And and we we see all the good things God has done. The problem is we keep repeating the same cycle of carnality and flesh and sin. And we go around the mountain again and again. And then we wonder why we're not having that full life that God talked about in his word. Why we don't move into that place of promise we read about. I want to give you five observations. And I want you to just jot these down. You should have your outlines there in front of you on the back of your bulletin somewhere. And what I want you to do is is let's look at this story and let's find ourselves right in the middle of God's story as we go through these applications together. Number one a promise made by God is a promise kept. A promise made by God is a promise kept. Look at chapter 13 and verse 1. And then the Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe. Send one of its leaders. Okay, you're here now. This is what we've been talking about. This land was promised to Abraham some 600 years earlier. But God keeps his promise. After 400 years of bondage and slavery, they're right there. And he says, this is the land I promised to you. This is the land that I am giving you. You're right there. God will keep his word. He keeps his promises. Isn't that good to know? You'd think Israel would be thrilled at the prospect of now moving in and taking the land they had journeyed for and traveled for and worked so hard for. And yet, in this whole journey, there are ten different recorded times they grumbled and complained. Don't like the food. Tired of this manna. It's too hot. Too cold. I'm thirsty. And and, and they just thought of all, we don't like Moses. And there's all kinds of stuff they grumbled and complained about. Music's too loud. Music's too fast. Music's too slow. Too cold in the building. All the ladies are freezing. I don't know. Sometimes the ladies are burning up. It's the men too cold in the building, others are saying it's too hot, don't like the preacher. It is what it is, you're stuck. And and we forget all that God promised he would be and do in our lives. And we we get sidetracked by all these peripheral things. The greatest enemy of faith is forgetfulness. All too often, we forget just how bad slavery is. Now, now listen to me. It's easy to criticize the Israelites, and we look at them and we say, How could you do that? How could you even want to go back to Egypt? Did you forget the slavery? Did you forget when they beat you on the back? Did you forget making bricks out of straw? Did you forget them killing your babies? Did you forget all that stuff they were doing over there? And yet they begin saying, we want to go back to Egypt. We don't want to die out here in the wilderness somewhere. We forget just how faithful God has been to us. Israel had seen their awesome deliverance They had just just earlier, a couple years earlier, seen the Red Sea open up. Can you imagine that sight and walking through on dry ground? God stops up the sea and they they walk across. They saw the plagues. They saw the wonders take place. And yet when times get rough, their forgetfulness leads them to minimize the horror of slavery and also minimize the goodness of God. How quick we forget... We're slow to remember. We're very slow at times to be thankful to God. Do you realize that in God's Word there are eight thousand eight hundred promises? Isn't that incredible? In fact, in Deuteronomy twenty-eight there are one hundred and thirty-three promises in that one chapter alone. Now, now let me ask you a question: Do you think one of those could be for us? Do you think one of those promises could be for me? Yeah. God keeps his word. If God makes a promise, he can bring it to fruition. God keeps his promises. You see, the faithfulness of God is on the line. I've got great news for you this morning. If you don't know God, listen, God is our healer. God is our provider. God is my peace. He is my righteousness. He is all those things to us today. And I will tell you, we have a God who says, if I'm going to bring you into the promised land, he's going to do it. God keeps his word. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ and so through him, the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. Wow. God had fed them in the wilderness. Can you imagine traveling out there in the wilderness, some one to three million Israelites wandering through the wilderness together? They had bamama bread. Bamana, bamana bread. Bamana bread. They had manakati. They had filet of manna. Fried manna, boiled manna, any way you could think about it. They had manna. They saw the seas dry up and the plagues. They, they had these cool Nike sandals that never ever wore out. <laughs> Those sandals lasted 40 years. Incredible. And yet the pattern continued. Forget, grumble, complain. Forget Grumble, complain, rebel. And over and over again. Now we think, you know what, I never do what the Israelites did. I'm above that. I don't do that kind of thing. And yet how many times when we hit a hard time, When we go through a difficulty, when we go through a trial or test, how quick are we to forget God's promises? I want to tell you, remember, remember how good God is. Uh, Remember what God has done. Uh, Remember how he delivered you out of your bondage uh, and set you free from sin and death. Uh, Remember the goodness and promises of God. Go back to his word and find yourself in his story. Second thing that uh, we learn from this is the voices we choose to listen to will determine our future. The voices we choose to listen to will determine our future. Now i read the story to you. Twelve spies were sent out to spy out the land. There was uh, one spy from every tribe. They got the best of the best. These aren't the, the dummies. These are just the, the leaders of their tribes are the smartest. And they go in to check out the land. And really they're not going out to check out the land for the viability of taking the land god had already told them it was theirs to take he just says just get, bring the report back about the food and the crops and all the goodness of the land to, and kind of get your strategy together uh check it out and come back and tell us what you see and they came back and the 12 spies were there and they said we've got good news and we got bad news The good news is it's a great land. There's all kinds of fruit there. They brought some samples back. They're all oohing and owing. It is absolutely incredible, fertile land. But they also said the bad news is there's big giants and there's big walled cities. And they concluded by saying we are grasshoppers in their sight. Ten of the spies are looking through the eyes of fear. They never mention God in their report. It's always about the giants. It's about the walled cities. It's about our inadequacies. Uh, It's about who we are. Uh, They never mention God in their report. Uh, Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said we can take the land because we have a great, big, huge God. They are speaking words of faith and faith is something we remember faith is something we applaud in fact you'll name your kids joshua or caleb very common names today because we remember great people of faith and so that name has lived those names have lived on through all the generations of time but how many can tell me without looking at verses four to fifteen how many can tell me any of the names of the other spies we don't we've forgotten those guys Why? Because they looked through the eyes of fear and they died out there in the middle of the wilderness. Again and again, God asked Israel this simple question, Do you trust me? Do you really trust me? And I think he asked us that same question today in our lives. He says, church, do you really trust me? People of God, do you really trust me? Do you trust me to provide for you and take care of you? Even when the economy report looks bad, uh, even when, the, when they say unemployment's rising and the economy's getting worse, do you still trust God or do you operate out of fear? He challenges us, do you really trust me? Do you trust me to provide? Do you trust me to give you victory over your enemies uh, that seem to be attacking you and getting you down and pressing you down? Do you trust me to give you the victory? Israel's on the brink of the promised land. They're one step away from fulfilling God's incredible promise he had made to Abraham. The Lord had led them to their inheritance. Sadly, they didn't have the same faith as their ancestor abraham and they operated based out of fear listen some of you guys today you may be facing giants you've got giants in your promised land in fact when we resume the story after this missions convention we're going to come back and we're going to talk about conquering our giants and we'll start with the giants in jericho and we'll move all the way to the giant called goliath and some of the giants in david's life and you don't want to miss these messages but we all face giants We get a report from a doctor. The doctor says you got cancer. I think there's probably no more gigantic word than the word cancer. Giants. Or you've been fired. Or you've been let go. You talk about a giant and you got your house mortgage and your car payments and all that. And then you get that giant that says we're making cutbacks and there's no place for you. Or there's giants in your relationships and your kids are going the wrong way and you're fearful of what's going to happen to them and they're making terrible choices and terrible decisions and you face this great big giant in your own family. Sometimes giants in your own marriage and you got a spouse who says, you know what, I don't love you anymore and I don't care about you anymore and I'm bailing out you talk about a giant in our life and we face these giants and they are fearful they're debilitating and we begin to doubt the goodness and promises of God The giants are going to be there but the question today for us as children of God as men and women of faith is simply this is God bigger than your giants and Caleb says you know what there may be strong and we may be short but listen God's a big God. It's not about us. It's about God. Yeah, yeah. Your hurts, your hang-ups, your frustrations, your problems, even our own self. I think the biggest giant we've got to conquer is myself, my own flesh. It's God Bigger you giants god has a destiny for you the problem is we stand in the way because we listen to the report of fear and we don't believe the words of faith listen if the only report you're getting is on cnn fox news or msnbc listen you're going to begin to look through the eyes of fear And you're going to get depressed. And you're going to think, you know what? The whole world's going downhill. Everybody's dying everywhere. There's no hope for me. There's no hope for mankind. I want to challenge a church. Listen to, choose to listen to the report of faith. We serve a big God. Yes, there may be giants in our land. There may be giants in my own situation, my own life. But I will believe the report of the Lord. You're not ignoring reality. You're saying I'm putting my trust and my faith in God that God will take care of me because God is faithful. You have a choice to make. You can speak words of life or you can speak words of death. Writer of Proverbs says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Now, when you look around, do you see obstacles or opportunities? Do you see barriers or blessings? Do you see giants or do you see grapes? It's all like, yeah, grapes, thank you. It's all according to how you're looking. Look through those eyes of faith and begin to speak faith. Begin to speak words of life. Speak words of life over your marriage now, every day. Speak words of life over your children and cover them. Speak words of life over this church. Faith, positive, life. Turn to Numbers 14, 1 to 4. That night, all the people of the community, raised their voices and wept aloud, and all Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us up to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Would it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, "We we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Those negative words, Condemn the Israelites to die in the wilderness. And they're going to die out gradually. A whole generation is going to die off because for the next 40 years they're going to wander around in the wilderness. Uh, Listen, choosing fear or choosing faith determines your future. Your future, your promised land is determined by your fear or by your faith. Therefore, choose life jump down to numbers 14 and verse 33 your children will be shepherds here for 40 years suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the desert now here's the thought i want you to get from this your fear or faith will affect your next generation it affects your children It affects your kids. I mean, there's four- and five-year-old kids there. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what the spies had said. They're just playing out there with the snakes in the wilderness. I want to tell you something. Your decisions, your outlook on life, whether you're positive or negative, affects the way your kids will grow up. And if they're in a grumpy, complaining, murmuring family that doesn't believe, that operates out of fear, you know what's going to happen. It's going to affect your kids and they're going to grow up to be just like you. And he says, as a result of your rebellion and disobedience, your kids are going to suffer. And they're going to hang out in this wilderness until they get old enough to go in and possess the land for themselves. Speak words of life Speak words of faith because you are an influencer of those people who are around you. And I would encourage you, choose to be around people of faith. Let me make it very plain for you. Be at church every week. I love coming to church we got faith assembly on our name out there. There are people of faith all throughout this congregation. And so get around them. Be around people of faith in your life groups, in in men's fraternity, in ladies' sisterhood, in all the other things that are going on around us. Get yourself plugged in and around people of faith. Be a church. Amen. The third lesson I think we learn from this is the good old days aren't all that good. The good old days aren't really all that good. I've heard a lot about the good old days. Uh, you, know, you watch the Western on TV, and men, you wax nostalgic. And you think, boy, if I was there, if I was in the wild, wild west, how incredible that could have been. Can you imagine how bad those guys stunk? <laughs> the, the, the good old days really aren't all that good. They, they just said, they said, if, if we could just go back to Egypt, and you want to shout to the Israelites, have you lost your mind? Wasn't that good back there? And you know about the slavery and the beatings and all that went on, and yet they remembered the food. Oh, if we had the leeks and the garlics and the onions. Can you imagine how bad their breath must have been? you see what happens is our our present challenge cloud is clouded uh, by past expectations uh, and nostalgia and so we look unrealistically at the past and what is behind us and how good it was last year or years ago or before this listen i want to tell you never ever look back to egypt Before you were saved, before you were in Christ Jesus, it was a place of sin, it was a place of bondage, and Satan is a very cruel taskmaster. But I will tell you, Satan is always there saying, take one more hit, go back to weed one more time. Go back to the alcohol one more time. Uh, go out and party one more time like you did when you were a teenager. Just just uh, get on Facebook and, and flirt around with some other girl just one more time uh, like you were a wild and crazy teenager. And you know what? The enemy comes along and he tries to tell you, look how great it was back in Egypt. Listen, I'm going to tell you, you were in sin and you were in bondage and you were heading to hell and it wasn't all that great. There's nothing back there for us. When you give your life to Christ, Jesus set your face like a flint for that holy city, that new Jerusalem. Don't go back. Listen to what Proverbs twenty-six, eleven says. It's kind of graphic language. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Why? Go back back the enemy glamorizes sin he'll glamorize your past he'll make sin look pleasurable but i will tell you it is only for a season and then the reality sets in yes. Yes. don't go back the fourth lesson is this when crisis occurs god is with us now that's great news let's continue in this story jump down to verse number six of chapter fourteen And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Now now listen to this next verse. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. The motivational speech did not work. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. Now listen to me. When it's really tense and they're about to stone Moses and Aaron and a few leaders of those tribes, when they're about to stone Joshua and Caleb and kill those guys, God comes down. And he's at the tent of meeting and all some people are falling on their face. Oh, man, we've blown it now. God's on the scene. Uh, listen to me. When you face crisis, when things get messy, always remember Jesus is with us. Yeah. Knowing that will get you through any situation, any crisis. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What a promise. You talk about promises. The greatest of all is that God is with us and he will never, ever, ever leave us. Mm. Number five, if necessary, God will use another lap around Mount Sinai to accomplish his purpose in us. If necessary, God will say, okay, Israelites, do another lap. You haven't gotten it. You haven't figured it out. Do another lap. And so they will circle throughout the wilderness, going back to many of the spots they had been at before for the next 40 years. And an entire generation is going to be destroyed and die out in the wilderness, uh, and their children will come up. They will grow up and they will move in and they will inherit the land. After 40 years of wandering, as Israel approaches their inheritance the second time, now they come back. A new generation God has raised up because they didn't get it the first time. He said, do another lap. If you don't get it the first time, God will say, do another lap. I'm still working on you. You don't trust me. You don't believe. You're operating out of fear. You're listening to a negative report. Do another lap. And we wonder and wonder in the wilderness until finally God breaks us down and we say, you know what? I get it. Do another lap. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. Keith Green in a song take another lap around the mountain from his album, so you want to go back to Egypt, said this. And I'm dating myself, this is a long time ago. It says, go on, take another lap around Mount Sinai until you learn your lesson, until you stop your whining and rebelling, until you learn to stand in your day of testing by trusting and obeying the Lord. Isn't that great? They finally get back. Moses is going to give his farewell address, and we're at verse number 15. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. This is 40 years later. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his decrees, and his laws, and then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, And if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life. Everybody say that. Now choose life. That you and your children may live. That you may love the lord your god listen to his voice hold fast to him for the lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers abraham isaac and to jacob god is going to accomplish his purposes and to do that he would raise up another generation you're going to see this that that even in spite of man's foolishness and messes god will override man he will accomplish his plan of redemption And they come there and Moses is about to die. And he says, you got a choice to make, life and death. What are you going to choose? Now choose life. Believe the promises of God. Speak the promises. Speak life. Speak life. God has a destiny for everybody here today, for every single one of us. And it's not just about you, it's also about all the people you're going to affect with your speech and your faith. God keeps his promises. Choose to listen to positive influences around you. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that the good old days were really that good. It's a lie. And the promise that even in the midst of crises, God is with us. Take God's word, believe, and listen, and see through the eyes of faith. God has destiny for everybody in here. has got a destiny for you. Don't stop short of the promised land. Don't stop short of moving on in. Don't let fear drive you off from that. When God says, go, you go. Put the pedal to the metal and go. When he says, turn right, you go right. When he says, left, you go left. And if you will obey the promises, commands of God, there is a place of blessing that God has for every single child of God. I believe God has a destiny for this church. I believe God has a destiny for faith assembly of God. He's doing some incredible things in our midst. We now have four campuses at four different locations. Good news, the campuses are thriving and doing well. Many of you guys come here every week and you don't know what's going on. Faith North is growing. Faith Remount is growing. We just finished our kids' building at Faith Monk's Corner. Just paved the parking lot. It finished up this week. It looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Monk's Corner is growing. God is moving. This church is growing. And our destiny for us is to reach souls. God has raised up faith assembly to reach the lost for the kingdom of God. We're going to learn about that next Sunday at our missions convention. God has raised us up to not only bless the low country, but literally bless the nations of the world. God has a promise. God has a destiny for us. And he is doing great and mighty things. Now, you can make a choice. You can look at the negative things. Say, I don't like the way he does this. I don't like that. Or you can look at people when they come to the altar and give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and respond to his grace. You can look at what God is doing in changing lives, transforming lives. He's got a destiny for your life. He's got a destiny for this church. And he's not done with us yet. We're there. We're on the brink of the land. There's going to be warfare in taking the land. It's going to take some time. But I want to tell you, we got to move in and fulfill every promise that God has given us. God has a destiny for you. Now, are you going to choose to operate by faith and grumble and murmur and complain? Or are you going to choose to say, you know what, we've got a great, big, huge, incredible God. Oh, yeah. With God, we can do anything. Amen. Now today, just as Moses said in his farewell address, today I set before you life and death. Today, this morning at Faith some live God, I set before you life and death. I'm going to ask you to make it a choice. Bow your heads and close your eyes right now. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, he sets it before you today. Life and death. Life and death. You got a choice to make. Got a choice to make. What are you going to choose today? Am I going to choose to surrender my life to Jesus Christ and ask him to come into my heart and life? And when you do that, the Bible says, if you believe on him, he has a gift. It's called everlasting life and know, will give it to you. But if you say, you know what, I don't want God, I don't want to move into the land he has for me, I don't want to live in a place of promise, I, I don't want his blessings, and I don't want life, you know what, by rejecting Christ, by saying no, by saying I want to remain in Egypt, you are virtually choosing death. And I don't want to see one person in here lost. I don't want to see one person miss it. Father, right now, I pray for everybody in the house today. And there's someone who does not know you today, I pray that right now they'll invite you to come in and be their Lord and Savior. I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more, check out faithishere.org.